This is The Pursuit of Authenticity, episode number three. competitive strength athlete in various sports, including Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, and strongman. Um, We dive into the background of how she got involved in competing and fitness, and we also touch on performance pressure she has faced um, as a woman who lifts weights, but more specifically, pressures of being a competitive athlete. We dive into some social stigmas around being a woman who lifts, also some social pressures based on being a competitor. We dive a little bit into the use of PEDs, which I do want to touch on. We do not entice the use of these. However, we do want to provide a safe and comfortable environment for education around the reality of what you're faced with as a competitor in this arena. And we also talk about the where to draw the line between selfish investment in a hobby such as weightlifting versus investing and being a competitor for a purpose that serves a greater good. Um, this was a really enriching conversation. I met Liz a little over a year ago and we've stayed connected because we are both very like-minded individuals and we both serve I think as positive mentors to one another so I was really happy to have her on the show and um, be able to discuss some of these things that we've both faced as competitive athletes. There will be show notes below um, for links to contact Liz if you have any questions about what we discussed today or if you want to reach out to her for um, whatever moving forward you will be able to get in contact with her. So without further ado, Here is the interview between myself and Liz on performance pressures as a competitive strength athlete. So today on the show we have my friend Elizabeth Carpenter here. Um, She is actually a strong woman athlete and also involved in powerlifting and has done some weightlifting in the past. Um, She, her and I were, we met up at the gym a couple weeks ago and we got talking about um, some upcoming competitions that we were both going to be involved in, which sort of led us to things, topics of adversity that we faced um, coming up into these competitions, and we decided, hey, this could actually make for some good content for a podcast episode. So that is what has brought us here today. So thanks for coming on today, Liz. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, I want to start and talk about your background, what kind of what got you into all these different aspects of fitness, so we can hear more about you and what has led you to where you are today, and then obviously the adversity we've faced in, you know, mm-hmm. the sport of lifting. So, Yeah, so I started lifting in high school when I was 13 years old. Um, one of my buddies in eighth grade said, hey, there's this really cool strength coach and you need to take his class and take summer gym so you can do it freshman year. Yeah. So I ended up uh, going to Matthew Cates' strength class, who he's moved to a couple different schools since then. He's developed some really good strength programs for athletes. Yeah, cool. 
and he just taught me how to lift, um, what a good work ethic looked like. Like every day we were competing against ourselves and, and making our training partners better. He, he taught us like have twos, want twos, and like all these cool, interesting um, training philosophies for, mm -hmm. for high school students. So I started training with him and then he like brought three or four of me and, and my peers to this Northwest Indiana weightlifting meet. So I learned how to deadlift like two weeks prior to that and it, it was a deadlift, bench press, and power clean competition um, between like different high schools in Northwest Indiana in the area. Mm -hmm. And he took us to that, I think we had five athletes and we, we pretty much swept and we cleaned house and we beat, uh, I think we got third place and most of the teams didn't have anything less than 20 athletes. Wow. So he knows his stuff, and yeah. he knows how to coach and inspire kids to be good, and, and he's developed some really brute strong athletes. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough to have him in high school to create the foundation for my strength sports and my love for weightlifting. Gotcha. So he very much instilled the performance-based goals from the get-go. It wasn't like come in here to lift so you can grow big biceps and get yeah. abs and that whole side yeah. of the fitness industry. It was, let's get in, get shit done, and mm -hmm. show people all about, like, be, be better every day, come in with your A game. If, if you're not wearing your gym uniform, then you're embarrassing me, you know? Like yeah. Just, he, he was a no-bullshit approach, and yes. it was really awesome. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I already did. Uh, yeah, so that's that's cool. So you got into weightlifting in high school. Um, you did competitions through him coaching you. And then did you get into any of the, like, strongman or um, weightlifting in high school? Or was it just the, like, those um, powerlifting foundations? I went to the Arnold twice for, like, this teen challenge thing through Kurt Angle. I didn't even know who that was. He's, like, some wrestler guy. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't really know who that is. But he put this competition on for scholarship, um, and Kate's told me about him, like, a, told me about the competition, like, a month before it happened again. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, all right, well, max chin-ups in a minute, and, you know, they're just, like, random little, not necessarily all weightlifting things. There's, like, a kettlebell snatch, and just, like, weird, obscure yeah. <laughs> movements. Anything that yeah. is going to push your well, body in yeah, some Yeah, most regard. of it was, like, reps in a minute and that kind of stuff. So I got second place my first year, and then the first place got a $1,500 scholarship. So I was mad oh, because wow. um, I, it was just the, – their judging was really bad. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so I should have gotten first because a girl was getting half reps, but that's besides the point. So I went back next year, and I swept four out of six events. Nice. Like, I actually trained for it a little bit. Yeah. Not like I really knew how to train in high school, but just doing what you knew at <laughs> just, the time, just practicing all of the things you had to do. Gotcha. In that and then I got first place. Then they didn't give me the scholarship, so I was real pissed. What the heck? They couldn't get fu funding that year, uh, so they like just shuffled out gotcha. random prizes, and it was weird. So I was mad, and I didn't go again the next year when I was still a teen. But that's pretty much all the c competing that I did in high school was that Northwest Indiana weightlifting meet, mm -hmm. and. Um, my senior year of high school, I set a power clean record there that just got broke last spring. Kate's had to text me about that. Let uh, <laughs> me know that that's destroyed. You're like, dang it. Yeah. Someone outdid me. But there's no weight classes for that. Like, it's just um, girls overall. Just overall so, PR kind of Yeah, deal. so okay. I, had, I had that power clean record for a solid dang. three years. Nice. 
So then when you get to college, you were involved in soccer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were still in regards um, in the athletic realm, and then did you continue with lifting throughout college, too? Yeah, so I, I'll admit it, I dabbled in CrossFit for a while. <laughs> That's okay. Everyone has their own, you know, what they enjoy. <laughs> so I, I dabbled in CrossFit um, at the end of my high school career. I didn't do any comps or anything, just, like, fell in love with the, the runner's high and community yeah. that you get from it. Oh, for sure. So I was doing that, and then, um, of course, I was pretty strong. Like, I'm just genetically gifted to be strong. I left high school with a 275 squat. Um, so I'm training in the off-season for soccer, and then the the throwers at Aquinas saw me and were like, hey, you're really strong. You should throw stuff <laughs> with us. So I did that, and I was a walk-on for a year. Then they ended up picking up my soccer scholarship. I, mm-hmm. I quit doing soccer because I just liked throwing better, and I liked the team a little better. Um so I ended up doing that, and then I left college before I graduated and got more into strength sports. Like, I did Olympic lifting um, at the Arnold my last year in college, mm-hmm. and I did okay. I think I was five kilos from a junior national qualification. Um, huh. It was That was nerve-wracking. Yeah. Like, that was really nerve-wracking because I opened the flight for Lydia Valentine. Mm-hmm. Who can snatch like three hundred pounds? Wow! <laughs> so, so I'm Holy opening with a one thirty five snatch, <laughs> and at the end of the flight is like this Spanish conquistador. Wow! <laughs> it was just a badass. So it was really cool being around like the great lifters, and it, yeah. and it inspired me to be better, better. at mm-hmm. what I'm doing. So I wanted to really focus on Olympic lifting for a while, and then I got too old for junior nationals or junior qualifying. Um, and then, you know, the weights go way up when yep. you open. Yep. So I, I all of a sudden, um, I was training at a gym in Chesterton, Indiana when I left school. And, again, I like having, like, the two-week notice before comp thing. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks before a strongman comp. I did my first show. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were like, hey, there's this thing where you run a yoke, and, well, what's a yoke? I will show you. you yeah. know, just, just reverse sled be drags really and strong. stuff. <laughs> right. So it was um, Dan, Gibson gym, Dan Gibson's gym, Strength Haven, August, uh, what, like two and some change-ish years ago. Yeah. Um, I competed. I've always been good at pressing, so I did really well in the log, and then everything else in that show was just like complete disaster I know. <laughs> Everyone, I did it I did it completely wrong didn't know like how to use a belt how to use straps mm-hmm. which anyone who knows strongman knows that those are really important things to have yeah definitely <laughs> anyone who lifts knows to use a belt yes so it was it was really fun and stupid but it was fun I did good get learning hurt. experience very good learning experience yeah. the girls were there were so welcoming I'm friends with most of them now mm-hmm there were a lot of Michigan girls that came to that show that like I, I look up to and I love competing with and yeah. against and doing their shows. So it was, it was a cool introduction to the sport and I've kind of stuck with strongman since then and okay. kind of dabbled in powerlifting on the side. Yeah. Got into different things. So it sounds like <laughs> you definitely have a very wide background of different strength sports and getting involved in the strength training was definitely based on performance it wasn't anything related to looks for you but I also Mm -hmm. remember when we met almost I think it was a little over a year ago now was 
we were obviously in an environment where mostly powerlifters and uh, strong women or strong men athletes are training. So you're going to get a lot of like-minded individuals in such yep. a niche um, community. But that was one of the things that stuck out when I was talking to you was I was inspired by the work ethic because I remember we were talking numbers like based on squat bench and deadlift mm-hmm. um, based on past competitions or competitions we had coming up where we were both sitting and it was cool because I was like oh we're on kind of the same level competition wise yeah, I think we were like within 10 pounds of each other yeah w- which was actually kind of crazy because we were like wow we're actually very similar yeah um so that was one of the things that I remember when we first met that was like okay this girl has a good work ethic and it sounds like that's instead from the beginning of your strength training mm-hmm. um, I guess be, when you got into the hobby that was what you learned and then also just through doing these different competitions it's learned through the community of other people you're around is you know we're here to work our butts off it's not you know just messing around this yeah is... absolutely that absolutely was taught to me and it was it was all performance it wasn't like hey, let's get a six-pack for the summer. Yeah. It was a, you need to hit this 185 clean so that you can be better out on the field. You need to squat over 200 pounds so that we can make you stronger on the field. And I was one of the few athletes in high school who never got any sort of injury, and I was a goalie. Mm-hmm. So, like, we get hit all the time. We hit girls all the time. Yeah. And my friends would get, like, torn quad, torn hamstring, yep. torn, you know, lots of knee problems as oh, soccer definitely. players. But I ended up never having an injury for longer than a week and a half when I like annoyed the head of my quad one time right <laughs> just from overuse or something yeah I just jumped wrong one time right and I hadn't warmed up so I consider myself incredibly lucky yeah to a be like injury free for pretty much all of my lifting career the last what is it like eight years yeah I think I've been lifting for eight years now wow a long time. I should be stronger now. <laughs> You're like, when's the day gonna come where I'm actually strong? Where's my 500 pound squat? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's all performance based, and there's there's definitely certain pressures that come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that you felt them too. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Was it's it's great being a female athlete. I've been an athlete my whole life too. I haven't been as involved. My lifting career probably started maybe two and a half years ago now so I'm not as vested as you are but I know that becoming involved in this industry it's just not even with just lifting but fitness in general there's like oh you can lift but don't get too strong and don't look too manly Mm -hmm. and it's it sucks because that we're talking about the performance side and that's what's fun is like getting strong and being able to like oh heck yeah like I squatted this much weight or I overhead press this like Mm -hmm. it's fun as hell to push weight over your head and just feel that empowerment and then for people to um, tell you like oh well I don't like that she's doing that because she looks like her shoulders are too big or her back's too big and then you deal with these things that don't really get discussed like people just see the highlight reel of you know you're going to these competitions and you're putting up these numbers and that's great but there's also some downfalls to it too which I we've kind of discussed we've both come across and Mm -hmm. one being the way that society views people who lift so it's unfortunate but it's also I guess we're making the point of saying that you don't have to listen to what other people say like yeah absolutely like I've I've spent 
the last eight years trying to ignore what people are telling yeah. me. You're like in one ear, out the other, and just yeah. Do. And it's really hard to do, especially yeah. like as a female. A lot of our society and culture tells us that we need to invest our time in like pleasing men's image of us, mm-hmm. and and if you don't do that, you're a lesbian. You know. Yeah. So that's like that's something hard I've had to contend with since I was 13 years old, or even even before that. Like I've never been a super girly girl, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I'm gay. Not that being gay is bad. Yeah. But it's just the the true. stigma that comes with lifting, um, which is interesting to to have to deal with for so long, and it, and it still bothers me sometimes. Yeah. But it's a lot easier to block out after you get out of school and you aren't dealing with the naysayers. Cause a lot of those naysayers like. They just end up staying at home with mom and dad. Yeah. They don't really go anywhere in life. They're just going to sit there and keep running your mouth and watch you as you go do Mm -hmm. your thing. They're too busy trying to bring other people down to lift themselves up. So that's something I would say to anyone listening to this podcast. If they're worried about starting lifting and they're like, oh, I'm going to be too manly. I'm going to be. Most of those guys are super insecure Mm -hmm. when they're saying that kind of stuff. Yes. And I actually had someone my freshman year of high school, um, I was super shy, like, in my lifting class. We had 30 people or more, and I never would... I wouldn't really talk to the cute guys, you know, mm-hmm. the wrestlers. And One of the wrestlers asked me, like, at the end of the year... The only time he ever talked to me, he asked me if I was a lesbian. And that hurt me, like, really bad. Because I had, like, you know, just a little yeah. secret crush on him, and I never said anything. And that, like... That's something you'll just have to fight against, um your whole life and he came out later I ended up actually working with him um six years later after I dropped out of college I got a job at the same place he was at and he apologized for it and he said it was because when he would deload like try try to take weight off he couldn't do it because I was right next to him and I was lifting the same weight so he was jealous oh wow and he admitted that to me at least he lived up to it yeah and he's still a douche yeah but like (laughs) I got him to admit that to me because I was I was still hard hearted about it and right. like I shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's but a lot of times when people say those kind of things, it's based off their own insecurities and not like what is what you actually are. If that it, makes sense. Exactly. They're they're trying to define you based on how they're perceiving you, but only you know your true exactly. like how how you identify. So if someone says something hurtful to you. It's like, okay, like, they can think that about me, but in pursuing this sport, it makes me feel this way, it makes me happy, and I enjoy it, so I'm going to continue to do it despite whatever you, yeah. what your opinion is, because that's your opinion, and you have a it's right okay to It's okay to that. be convicted that yeah. they're wrong. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, that's unfortunate that words matter so much, and, it, like, for him to say something like that to you, and for it to have that prolonged of an effect, it's like... People need to be much more aware of their word choicing, too. I mean, no matter what, in that situation, I don't think there's a right way to put it, and he could just have kept his opinions to himself. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, be conscious of how you're speaking to others, because that can have emotional baggage on them for a long amount of time, and that's not fair to others to um, do that kind of harm. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a side rant. (laughs) But... It's kind of like the, the, is it helpful, is it hurtful, yeah. the whole ideology right? And telling someone something and we is should, useful. Um, what did I hear the other day? Someone said, when you approach a situation, think of how you can contribute to the situation, not yeah. how you can compete. 
So yeah. it's like always making sure you're staying humble when you're in a situation and not trying to outdo someone else or bring them down and make it like competitive. Right. There's a level a level of self-awareness that has to come with that that a lot of people just don't have. So when when yeah. you do have it, like you have to be willing to forgive people constantly. Yeah, and be patient and be until the they person. realize, I guess, mm -hmm. for sure. Um I know other social pressures. I guess this kind of goes along with what we were just talking about, but how when you become involved in sports there's are involved in competing and then people start uh, defining you as a competitor and then they start bringing certain expectations around you of oh okay she competed at this level and she succeeded so now she, they expect you to take it to the next level and then to t take it to the next level so it's like how do you balance um, finding what's right for you or do you feel like you've experienced that a lot? Yeah, um, when I was, well, even like last year and before that, before I had a coach that I consistently trained with, mm -hmm. like, gyms would fight over me to, to, to have membership. Like, oh. I could get dirt cheap membership at gyms because they wanted to coach me and they wanted to have me around. So there was, like, that pressure. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, cool because I could play it off as, like, a discount. Right. But there there definitely was a pressure that came with it. Like, I, I can't just go in and enjoy my workout like everyone else, like, I'm expected to set an example for people. I'm expected uh, to lift more weights than everyone else in the room. I'm expected, you know, just like constant expectations that come with um, being good, yeah. I guess. Especially when you're big fish, little pond. Right. Um, so with that, like, you have to stay humble, too. It's really easy to be a big fish in a little pond. Just find a smaller gym. Yeah, exactly. Know? So, I'm sorry. Um, can you... The, the, original, <laughs> the original question. Well, I guess it was like there when you become a competitive, there's certain expectations. So I was thinking like in regards to if you compete at like a local level competition and then you succeed and then you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. let me go to like states. And then you right. succeed at states and then people are like, oh, what's yeah, next? Are you going to go to nationals? There's always a pressure to like be better and go bigger and do better and that's kind of like where you have to set your own expectations and boundaries mm -hmm. for yourself like yeah. it's just constantly setting boundaries how far am I willing to go to be competitive at nationals how far am I willing to go to be competitive at worlds right how good do I want to be in x amount of years like a lot of it is calculating your longevity yeah. do I want to be in the sport for the next 10 years yeah, I do. So does it matter if I pull 50 pounds now and get hurt or if I hit my 25-pound PR and call it a day? Right. Like, there's there's kind of pride balancing that needs to be done. But the pressures that come with it, um, I've definitely felt those where, where people are like, well, of course you should go to nationals because you qualified. Right. And that happened, like, my first year of Strongman. It worked out for me because, I mean, I didn't place or anything, but it, it inspired me to, to pull a bigger deadlift next year and, yeah. and stuff like that. So there's good and bad to it, but there's definitely boundaries that people need to draw as they're hearing these pressures and as they come on. Like, if you get swept up in it, then it's it's easy to get hurt, for one. Yes. Because everyone huge. wants you to do all these comps all the time. Yes. And then, two... Um, it's easy to get caught up doing something that becomes a job or that you don't love anymore. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a good point about the, like, you have to think of your longevity and, like, the instant gratification of, like, okay, if you 
if you're competing and you have the potential to go to nationals or to take it to the next level in whatever um, respect, it's like, okay, is that truly what you want to do or are you enjoying this current moment of where you're sitting competition-wise? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the right fit for you right now. And then when you're ready, then you can take it to the next level. Don't take it to the next level because everyone else is telling you yeah. you could do that. You need to sit down and be honest with yourself of, is this what you want and is this what's in my best interest based on my um, how long I see myself being involved in this sport and how much I actually do enjoy it and some people might never be ready right I know a lot of people who do like CrossFit competitions and they'll just they'll just do them for shits and giggles yeah just a local comp do it once a year yep and you know give to the charity but they aren't trying to go to the games and like kick everyone's butt right you know and that's okay Exactly. Like it's okay to, to be in fitness and not... I don't understand it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for some people, way. it's like, what? <laughs> but that's funny that you say that because I was at the gym the other day and I was talking to someone and they were saying they were getting involved in lifting and being like kind of a more competitive person. I always look for how can I push myself to the next level. So for me, when I got involved in lifting, it was, okay, I want to do this, sign up for a competition and whatever. But I was talking to this guy who was new to lifting, and I was like, okay, so you're getting involved in powerlifting. Do you see yourself competing down the road? And it was like, uh, kind of in my head, I realized, whoa, like, don't push him to that level already. Yeah. Like, he's just getting involved. Let yeah. him I'm decide. I'm totally guilty of yeah, that to newbies. Let him decide if he wants to compete when the timing is right. And once he, you know, learns a little bit more, don't think that just because he's getting involved in, like, a powerlifting sport or weightlifting that he has to automatically sign up for his first competition yeah. and get out there because it's, like, there's so much to learn and you can go about it at your own time and build up the skill and just enjoy the whole process rather than being, like, I have to do it right now because I have to do this because yeah. everyone said... And a lot of people don't like to compete. Like, they'd rather mm -hmm. just hit the gym at 4 a.m. and, like, be good with yeah. that and train by themselves and just, oh, I got, I got 20... 20 pounds stronger on, on my squat yeah. in three months, so that's cool. That's and it's, good with me. It's, I think as much as, some people, it's just as much as a physical, you know, break or exercise as it is just like a release for their mind, too, to just yeah. get in the gym and just feel uh, uh, satisfied with what you accomplished for that day, and they don't feel the need to go to compete and then, you know, deal with external... Yeah, there's a lot of stress that comes with competing. Yeah, sure. external pressures and everything else that's involved in the sport um do you feel that uh some other there's other like external pressures involved in competing that you've had to face being a woman in particular i've always kind of weirdly struggled with staying small like it's always been something that i've said since high school oh i want to get i want to get strong for yeah. sure but I don't want to get any bigger. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's huge social stigma against women being bigger as lifters, and that that bothers me that I fall into that stigma because I'm totally like I'm a 165 for people who don't know me, mm -hmm. um, and I fill out the weight class mostly now. Like yeah, <laughs> finally I'm sitting above my weight class. And I'm cutting into it this week. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. But. That's that's something like I've probably gained ten pounds since high school, and it's pretty much all been lean mass. Yeah, like people can tell that I'm bigger in my quads and my shoulders, but I've never I've never done a full like bulk. 
Mm-hmm. I've never wanted to bulk. I've never tried to bulk. I've always been nervous about it. Like, if I get a little bit too much pudge around my midsection, I start to get nervous about it. And that's totally, like, social stigma yeah. that I let affect me and cultural stigma that I let affect me. Right. So, what yeah. about you? Um, I think... Well, I feel like mine's kind of reverse. I guess I've always wanted to get strong, but at the same time, in my efforts of dieting, part of it was... I, I started out in powerlifting as 158 lifter, and when I got into lifting, I was decently strong, but I had a long-term goal of I wanted to get to nationals, and I knew that to be more competitive at nationals, I would have to drop a weight class. So I started dieting to become more competitive for nationals, but also there was a factor of I want to look the part of fitness. Like, I want people to look at me and see that um, like respect the fact that oh she looks like she works out because then they would uh, you know trust my advice of mm-hmm. for training purposes and I guess part of me is like I wish that wasn't a thing but at the same time it's almost like if that's what it's going to take to reel people in to get them to trust your opinion then I was willing to like okay I'm going to lose weight because of my own personal goal of meeting this weight class but also I want to make sure that people know that I'm fit so that they trust my opinion because it it sort of sucks but like if you're an obese individual and you you can know all the information about fitness in the world but if you don't look the part people people, are gonna look at you say yeah right yeah they won't take you serious and that's one thing I told um, my old intern he's like 250 um he just kind of looks like a football player Mm -hmm. like a little a little bit overweight um, not unhealthy looking or obese by any means, but right. not someone that you would look like and be like, oh man, he's cut. Yeah. And he wants to be a personal trainer, so I, I told him, like, from the get-go, I said, it it sucks and it's not fair, but society's not going to listen to you unless you lose some weight. Yeah. And, like, it's just held true over time. People yep. came up to me in high school asking for advice because I just look the part. Exactly. And most of that is just genetics. Yep. Like, I've never been bigger. I've never been this um, overweight individual. And people have always looked at that and been like, wow, she must be doing something right. Like, no, I was born right. Yeah, <laughs> like, like just, I was just fortunate. Just, <laughs> yeah, super fortunate. And obviously I've worked on that and built on it, and it's great. But, like, my frame is just made to be an athletic frame. Right. And I think a lot of people don't see that or want to admit that. And it just, it, it'll play for or against you in the fitness industry. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, I guess in fitness, if you want to inspire others, you have to like literally be the example mm-hmm. physically. And then once you can get them to see the physical transformation, then you can de- talk further on these other subjects and they'll actually, um, you know, take your advice or buy into it or whatever (laughs) so I know that there's other pressures in the fitness industry and especially with competing when you get to certain levels there's the balance of how much time do I want to invest in this hobby um, and also to what degree am I going to invest I know that drug use is a topic that when you get into like powerlifting well even bodybuilding and strongman they're all drug use is involved in all of these areas and I personally haven't dealt with um, too much pressure. I hear about it but I think that it's just not really discussed 
because mm-hmm. people are afraid to discuss it. And I don't think it should yeah. be a topic that's, you know, we just avoid it because if by avoiding it, no one knows. There's a lot of political correctness that comes with it. Um, a lot of top powerlifters will say that they've never used, or uh, not even just powerlifters, but just in general, there's a lot of top athletes who fairly obviously, to anyone who's been around drugs, mm-hmm. who could understand how they work and what kind of performance edges they give people, who fairly obviously, like, these top athletes are using some sort of per- performance-enhancing drug. Right. Um, they'll deny doing it, and they'll deny that their peers do it. Yeah. Even though it's 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 usually pretty obvious. Apparent. So, with that, like, it's good to educate yourself. Um, I'm a drug-free athlete. Courtney's a drug-free athlete. Mm-hmm. We don't see the, the we call it, like, return on investment. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, like, a lot of research that needs to be done with it. There's a lot of monitoring that needs to be done. It's a monetary investment. Um, and then there's risks that come with it. There's androgenic risks. There's, yep. there's hormonal risks. And honestly, those don't, those don't weigh out for me. I don't want to win so bad that I'm willing to risk the longevity of my body mm-hmm. um, and hormone function. Even though there's smart ways to do it, yeah, uh, there's still a higher risk than if I don't do it. Right. And I actually take a lot of pride in being drug-free because it's a lot of... For me, it's like a weird thing where I... I, like, get off on the fact that I can, like, beat a drug athlete sometimes. Right. And then I'm like, yeah, I got him. But with that being <laughs> said, I fucking hate it when there's other athletes who are like, oh, she only beat me because she's on drugs. Uh, like, like using it to their advantage. Yeah, they use it as an excuse. It is not an excuse. If you're in a federation where they allow drugs, it is not cheating. It is not an excuse. Right. That's like saying, that girl beat me on deadlifts because she used straps in that strongman comp. It's in the rules. Yeah. You can use it. It's fair game. So it's fair game. Exactly. And it's like, if you, like we said, return on investment. If you feel like, based on what your goals are, that is going to get you close to your goals. And you see that um, for your, it's a personal choice. Like, if, if you see the benefit outweighing the cons or whatever, then go for it as long as you've done your research and you know what you're doing don't just jump into it though because someone else said oh this is this is gonna do you good or you know like obviously we aren't recommending it because it's illegal but (laughs) we're saying do your research (laughs) (laughs) do your research make your own personal choice that's what we're saying and yeah don't just assume it's illegal because it's bad right so, yeah. <laughs> Do your research on your drugs and your federations. <laughs> Try to protect you as you're Courtney. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyways, um, I guess the last topic we were going to touch on was the selfish side of, in, of competing versus... Yeah, so there's a lot of selfishness involved in yeah. competing, and I think that should be addressed as kind of something that athletes should be self-aware of like Mm -hmm. any hobby you do probably has some degree of selfishness to it because you get fulfillment from it because you you might skip your plans with your friends or even potentially friends with plans with your family yeah in order to keep doing this hobby and for us it just happens to be lifting yeah a lot of people in our culture um again i think it stems from sometimes jealousy uh they like to talk shit about 
lifters being selfish and taking time away from their family to lift mm -hmm. or from their kids, from their job, you know, what what have you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, would you want to elaborate on that more? Yeah, I think, um, like, for me, the selfish, like, am I doing this because it's just serving me at, for a purpose or is there, like, something that is inspiring others to come out of it too. And I know, like, for both of us, we both compete because obviously we enjoy the hobby, but there's, I know you are involved with, like, programming for clients, and that's what my goal is as well. It's, it's like, I want to lose weight because I want to inspire others to be able to lose weight. I want to get strong yeah. because I want to inspire others to get strong. And it's, it's like... It's empowering to empower others. Yes. So it's like, there is... Um, there is more to it than just doing it for your own like hedonistic pleasure I guess of we just want to do it because it makes us happy and that's all we care about or like egotistical yeah. and there's there's not like it's weird because you can't see inside the heart of people yeah so some people lift and they truly do it because they just want to be the best yeah and they want everyone to know their name yeah and I would consider that selfish unless behind that behind wanting to be the best they want to be the best because they can reach out to more people and have good conversations and change lives right like that's that's one thing i like going to strongman shows that almost always at the after party you have a life talk with someone oh yeah <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> like how'd you get involved in this sport and then you get yeah. real deep with and then, them and then you're, you're like... talking about their marriage and you save it you know just like and you're like all right stuff. that's what i came to this meet for apparently yeah. and that's that's great and for me like i have i have a, a part of like christianity to it where i think that god has called has given me these gifts and called me to affect people's lives in some way or another because I am a conversationalist just like you mm -hmm. and when I go to shows and when I reach out to people like I have a network of people now that I would never have had access to before without competing yeah that I can help these people and I can give them advice and we can we can talk about things sometimes other than lifting that will still change their life right. and that's really why I continue to compete and continue to enjoy competing yeah it's all these p great people that you meet along and that's what it comes down to is like being in these communities of like like-minded individuals and then being able to use the connections that you meet among the sport mm -hmm. to you know like hey you met this person and now they can use this other person for a benefit or you just find connections among people that you're like okay this is way bigger than me and it's obviously beyond just a selfish purpose of being yeah. involved in the sport or, or fitness or whatever there's more to it than just yourself so I think that's really cool to be a part of that and that's kind of circles back to how we met is in the gym we were both lifting and then yeah it has definitely evolved to we've had some good life talks that I think has yeah like they've been enlightening for both of us to the point where like it changes something for sure us. and that's that's fucking cool yeah there's like a shift that occurs and mm -hmm. that could shift someone for the rest of their life or it might just put them back on the path of where they need to go or you mm -hmm. never know how your one conversation can really, like, even just the words that you say, how you frame it, can really just shift an uh, individual. Yeah. Um, so, I guess this podcast is called The Pursuit of Authenticity, so I like to end the podcast with a question about, on your pursuit of, we'll just say, like, competing in fitness, um, 
do you feel like there was ever like a time where you weren't following your true path of where you want to go with fitness as you've evolved over time was there anything that you would change or anything that you look back on and take it as like a learning lesson anything that sticks out that you can think of um I used to take summers off during high school from mm-hmm. lifting and then I'd come back and it was like I was picking up from where I was like I was just as strong as when I left yeah and I think that the past in the past like nine years of lifting or however long I've been lifting um many of those years were spent overtraining, and I think that's also something that people don't pay attention to or they ignore and it turns into injuries it -hmm. turns into not getting stronger than you would think that you should be and I know that's a lot of why you're as strong as I am after like two and a half years of lifting Mm -hmm. and it's taken me eight years to get where I'm at consistently Mm -hmm. most of those eight years were spent like screwing around and doing crossfit and then running to a strength class and then running to throws practice and then you know, just yeah, just, just all over overtraining the all the time, and still like getting stronger gradually, like five pounds here and there. Yeah. But I mean, I did a squat cycle. Uh, my coach is Sabrina Provost, and she's the only person I've ever like let handle my programming. <laughs> she finally like forces me to calm down a little bit and be like, "All right, get like, to one damn thing." I guess I'll listen to you. <laughs> she's smart, like. I have to listen to her because she's a very intelligent programmer and right. great coach, very technical coach. Right. So I did my first, like, ever 10-week cycle was with her last January, and she threw, like, uh, 45 pounds onto my squat. Wow. Just in one cycle. And, again, like, I'm not using drugs. I'm not really yeah. changing how I ate. I just did just a 10-week cycle smart. with her. Yeah. And I went from a 305 to a 350 squat. Nice. So it was really cool. Um to experience that and realize, wow, I don't have to be doing 20 reps on squat for three sets yeah. every day. Exactly. Or, you know, it's just whatever. I wasn't going that crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> I was throwing in a lot more volume than I needed, and there wasn't enough technique work, and there wasn't enough recovery. Like, I'm deloading every third week, mm-hmm. and I feel great going into Worlds. I'm as strong as, like, I've ever been. Wow. I just hit a 205 clean and jerk a couple weeks ago. Nice. Just, just, uh, I, I haven't even been, like, doing cleans last year. Yeah. Sabrina doesn't coach cleans. Dang. <laughs> She's a power lifter. That's awesome. So, it's really cool, uh, getting stronger and realizing, like, I'm farther away from injury, injury than I ever was, but I'm handling way more weight than I ever was. Yeah, so it sounds like you would have changed the way that you approach your programming of just actually having a plan and sticking yeah. to something yeah. rather than just kind of like it's such going a by life the seat changer. of your pants. Or yeah. I guess game changer. Yeah. Competition to, changer. To strategize and have smart yeah. programming and I think mm-hmm. you can take that into a metaphor for life too is like yeah. don't just aimlessly. Have a 10 week plan. Yeah. Like, know where you're going. If you're starting a business have a business plan. Right. I need to make a business plan soon. <laughs> yeah, the painting company. That's a good idea. <laughs> we'll take our own advice here. Yeah, right. Don't just aimlessly, you know, hope everything comes together. When you actually right. strategize and, you know, have some goals of where you want to go, then things mm-hmm. start falling into place and everything yeah. aligns. Focus, focus on like two or three things instead of twenty things. Yeah. At once. Like, and specialize in those areas, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. 
people are way more amazed when you can specialize in something and be really good at it than when you can do 20 things okay. Yeah. Granted, I would say, like, by becoming well-versed in a lot of things, it can help you to just become... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess it goes both ways. (laughs) It's... I don't know. It depends on, like, what your goals are, but... When I tell someone I have a 350-pound squat, I don't have to tell them anything else. Yeah, that's true. So, I like, guess that's I mean, kind of what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to get experience in a lot of areas, that can help you to realize what are your true strengths and then focus in Absolutely. on those specialties. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah, why I would go wide first, mm-hmm. then focus on depth. Yeah, and that's how training should be, too. Like, yeah. When you're 13 years old, you should be running around in the gym doing all of the exercises. Yeah, anything that you can, get yeah. your hands on, and then figure it out and from there once you have the foundation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Always need a good foundation. Yes, I agree. So, you have national or not nationals, I'm sorry, worlds coming up this weekend. So, good luck to you there. Thank you. Down in Louisville. Um, There's some good competitors out there. Yeah, I was just, I was down in nationals uh last weekend two weekends ago I don't remember for USAPL Mm -hmm. um, USA powerlifting and it's it's humbling to be at that level but it's also it's so cool to be around such elite athletes and like you said the like-minded community you're gonna get so much out of it but it's just if anyone has the opportunity to get to that level and granted you want to take it to that level definitely recommend it Um, but I was gonna say where can people find you online to either ask you more questions about what we've discussed today or possibly, you know, see the turnout of your competition for this weekend? Um, they can find me on Facebook. My full name's Elizabeth Carpenter. Okay. Of course, there's, like, hundreds of women. Yeah, I'll include, I'll include the link for your Facebook <laughs> so they can find you. <laughs> and then on Instagram, I'm Lizzie5242. Okay. Um, that's pretty much the social media platforms that I can handle. I hate social media, but I use it anyway. <laughs> I just started a painting business called Straight Edge Painting Midwest. Yeah. Um, I would love it if people could like that page. Well, <laughs> we can Facebook. link up all of it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty much all my information as far as online presence goes. Okay. Well, congrats on your uh, painting business, too. I know that's Thank exciting you. to get going with that. Yeah, I'm super psyched. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on today, and I appreciate the conversation. It was all good stuff. And Absolutely. hopefully there's some thanks takeaways for, for everyone else. You're welcome. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll talk later. All right, and that wraps up another episode from the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. I hope you all enjoyed what you heard today. If you did, feel free to share this episode out with some friends or hop over to iTunes and leave us a review. That helps us um, to just get the viewership out there. Um, For more content in between episodes, there will be a link to the blog in the show notes below. And until next time, my name is Courtney Bishop, and this is the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast reminding you to stay curious, stay creative, stay hungry.